This is the Endurance Church Podcast with Pastor Anthony Bass. At Endurance Church, our goal is to live well and finish strong by becoming faithful disciples of Christ. We do this through loving, disciplined, Bible-based teaching, encouragement, and care. For more information about our ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. And now, today's message. Under the Red Sea. Isn't that interesting that under the Red Sea, these structures are there today? Is that, in your mind, evidence that that event actually happened? Anybody, just be honest. If it's not, don't raise your hand. But they actually have these coral formations under the Red Sea of wheels from chariots. Now, right now in your brain, there should be a wrestling match going on. This is similar to the exact same wrestling match you should have felt when you were having to trust the voice. We are always in this wrestling match. Is God good? Is he faithful? Don't you understand? That's the only argument there's ever been from the Garden of Eden until now. Don't you know what Satan's basic temptation was? I'm more trustworthy than God is. That's basically what he said. Did God really say were the words of Satan? In all these 6,000 years, he has had time to build upon that lie that I, Satan, and more trustworthy than God is. And that's where you stand this day, with modern technology, with the direction of the culture, with our constant struggles emotionally, intellectually, physically. We're having to combat one thought and one thought alone. Is God trustworthy? Jesus addressed it here in the book of Revelations. If you open your Bible to Revelations chapter 1, verses 4 through 7, John has been cast out to the island of Patmos. And don't leave the church because I make this point, but I'm one of those people who believe that the book of Revelation was actually written before the fall of the temple in 70 AD. There's a lot of people who believe that as well. It doesn't matter if you don't believe that. You can say it's written after. It's okay. We still believe that it was written by an ordained man of God, John. But the reason why I believe that is because I believe he is, in a sense, highlighting historical evidence of what happened and what was about to happen to the church. If this document is written before 70 AD, that means the temple's still there, and they are about to be persecuted. Now think about it. If they're about to be, per- they haven't been persecuted by Nero yet. Nero is actually coming. And Nero's seizure, then I don't know the exact terminology, but if you take the, the word 
Nero Caesar in Hebrew, it actually comes out to six, six, six. Nero, Nero Caesar. So understand that I believe this is a historical document written out to the church at that time. Now, does it have a prophetic point to it? Absolutely, it does. But here, he's talking about historical fact. He's telling the church, this is how you need to endure because a great trial is about to come. Jesus is trying to prepare the church to endure this great persecution that's coming from Nero. So understand here in in verse, let me try to get this working one more time. That's the signal, it's not working. Is it my fault? Okay, I got a quote first. It says, the total evidence is so overpowering, so absolute, that only the shallowest of intellects would dare deny Jesus' existence. We should be, in your life, beyond the issue of did Jesus Christ even exist as a man. We know he was a man. We know he existed. We, some of us have even been to Israel. We saw where he was born. We saw different places. The issue is, was he resurrected? We talked about that during uh, resurrection month where there's no way these young men would die for something that was a lie. We know they believe that Jesus Christ was resurrected. And we know for some reason though, this lie came out that his disciples stole his body. Now, this doesn't make sense because why would disciples steal his body and then die for him? So logically, we know there are people during that day and time who we call apostles who believe that Jesus Christ was resurrected. We know that James, Jesus' brother, did not believe Jesus Christ was the Messiah while he was alive, but after his resurrection, his brother believed he was the Messiah. I mean, think about that. Asha, if Joshua said he was the Messiah, what would you do? See, that's what I would do too. I would like, come on, him? You've got to be kidding me. Not him, anybody but him. That, that's what James was saying. Come on, him? <laughs> but this dude. This devout Jewish man came to believe that this Jesus Christ was the Messiah. There's enough evidence there to believe that then this is, there's a lot of evidence here that we have to consider. I'm telling you today, my hope is that you're pushed over the edge this morning. Jesus Christ is the Messiah, and he is coming back soon. He says as much here. Next slide, please. He's talking to the seven churches in Asia. And these churches are significant because he addresses them specifically. Now, what's even more interesting about these churches is that Paul planted these churches. And he writes information to these churches, which we have in the book of Acts and also the epistle to the Ephesians as well. So, so we have information that Paul actually put down about these churches. Now, Jesus, who is in heaven, is given a vision to John, who is in Patmos. John, who was just recently boiled in oil. He's the only apostle still alive is giving us the book of Revelation, that last book in your Bible, the revelation of Jesus Christ, is written by John. John, the beloved. This same John, who in the book of John didn't even reference himself. He just said, the one whom Jesus loved. He never said, I, John. But now, this John, the one who saw Jesus and passed out, is writing the words that came from Jesus Christ's mouth after his resurrection. And he says, these are the churches, he referenced the seven churches, and he has a specific message for each church. I'm not saying this is necessarily a, and this is a snapshot of what the church will look like in the history future. I'm saying right now, he's addressing these churches during that day and time. Jesus, in the beginning of the book of Revelation, is functioning as a prophet. And let's see what he says. Next, next slide, please. Revelation 1, 4, and 5. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia. I like this. Grace. God's unmerited favor. 
to you. And shalom, peace. Now listen to this. From him who is and who was and who is to come. Now, who is that you think he's talking about? Don't say anything, but just think. Who is this who is and who was and who is to come? Now, you may think in your mind, remember I said don't say a person's name. You may think it's Jesus, but hold on for a second here. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. Who are these seven spirits that are before his throne? You may be like, I don't know who the seven spirits are. I thought it was a trinity. Hold on. We're going to get there because the very next person kind of clears it up. He says, and from who? Jesus Christ. So we know at least he clearly lays out the last one, who that person is. Because the last person is who? Jesus. So if the last person is Jesus, implicitly the first two people are not Jesus. Let's go back. So if the last one is Jesus... From him who is, who was, and who is to come, that's somebody else. Let's, let's hold off on that person. Let's go to, this, to the middle one. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and we're thinking like, well, who are these seven spirits? And I never do this, so this, I had to do this to kind of make this point. If you turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 11, verses 2 through 3, it explains who the seven spirits are. It says, including the spirit of the Lord. That's what it says at first. If you go to Isaiah chapter 2, verses, Isaiah chapter 11, verses 2 and 3, it says, including the spirit of the Lord and the spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, fear of the Lord. Will you get to how many? Seven. So basically, this seven-spirited entity is the Spirit of God, and we call the Spirit of God the Holy Spirit. So here we have Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. Now, who do you think that first one is now? God the Father. Now, think about this. Jesus Christ here is getting credibility. Jesus is put up on the same level as who? The Father. The Spirit. Why does he need that credibility? Because people don't trust God. People don't trust the words of Jesus Christ. So this letter is being written to these other churches exalting Jesus because of what he has done. Because he needs to be exalted because people are not trusting his words. And even if people were trusting his words, there's going to be such a persecution that's about to come that people are going to stop trusting him. So here Jesus is writing to these churches. He goes on to say here, and from Jesus Christ, the what? The faithful witness. Even we know it's Jesus Christ because he's the firstborn from the dead. And it goes on to say, the ruler over the kings of the earth. Next slide, please. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. So what it just described was his priestly role, his prophetic role, and his what? Kingly role. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. 
Now, this is the part he's trying to make you understand. Verse 7 basically is a summary of the entire book of Revelations. You can circle it, highlight it. He says, behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him. Go to the next slide, please. We're going to go back to that for a second. Even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. Now, go back to the last slide again. Now, this is why this is interesting. Because first he says something amazing. Jesus Christ is up there with God. Like, I don't even get that. That's so mysterious to me. Jesus Christ is God. Like, that's a hard thing to even consider. That's what's written in the book of Revelation. We're not making it up. That's just what God says. God is so different than us. We are made in his image, not he and ours. We're like a square, a two-dimensional square in comparison to like the Rubik's Cube of God. But we're made in his image. And people say, well, I can't even get how God can be three in one. I don't get it either. I was crying the other day in the shower thinking about God is eternal. I'm serious. I was just weeping. Because it's the thing that God has never not existed. Like God has been here forever. Like, wait a minute, for a second. God has been here forever. I remember going street preaching and people would be like, wait a minute. Tell me how God got here. And their brains couldn't even fathom how God got here. They say, well, who made him? And they would get stuck on who made God. They would be so broke, how did he get here? Because their brains couldn't even go that far. You can't even fathom, he has always existed. That, that right there doesn't even register in my head. Because there had to be a starting point, right? He just wasn't always was. Was he? But he was. What did he tell Moses? Tell them my name is what? I am. I exist. Like, I'm really here, you all. And he's been doing everything he can to get you to trust him. Because every single thing that you've put in your body outside of God, every thought, every action, every deed from the world that hasn't lined up with God, either explicitly or has implicitly tried to get you to doubt this one fact that he's good and that he loves you and that you could trust him remember the analogy remember trying to walk with the blindfold that's the feeling we live with behold he's coming with the clouds and every eye should see him that thought doesn't even register some people say well it's because in the future they're going to have the, the internet they knew we'd have facebook Jesus knew we'd have CNN and TVs. I, I, everybody, regardless of how long we live on this earth, won't have CNN. There's some people who would never have the internet, but every eye will see him here. That's a fantastic statement. Why didn't he try to hedge a little bit? Why didn't he say some people? Then he goes on to say, go on to the next slide again. Even they who pierced him. Wait a minute. The people who killed him will see him? He, he means, he, maybe he just means the Jewish people that are on the earth at that time. I don't know. He's saying even the people who pierced him would see him. That's a fantastic statement. He's going big here. He's letting you know how powerful and how mighty he is. Because everything in your life, even the thoughts that run through your brain right now, if they haven't been filtered by God's word, will lead you to doubt that God's credible. That you can listen to his voice. That he's good. That he loves you. That he has your best interest in mind. 
Everything else is a distraction. And too many of us has been led astray by other voices for so long that once you hear the voice you can trust, you say, it's too good to be true. And the fact that you can't trust God is not his problem. That reveals the condition of your heart. I got a couple points and I'm done for the day. Point one, Jesus Christ is credible. If you don't believe that, that's where you need to fight. Because if you don't think he's credible, this whole thing for you is crumbling. If you don't trust the words of Christ, who was a Jewish man, he wasn't that tall. The Bible said he was not attractive. He wasn't strong. He wasn't mighty. He didn't have great speech. But you know what? He had God's spirit in him. And regardless if he didn't look good or not, God used him and has changed the entire planet. Everywhere Christianity has gone, for good or for bad, has led to the good of the people. There are people who abuse Christianity. We know that. We're not, we've been here almost 2,000, some years after Christianity. We know people have abused the scriptures, the text, but we can't throw the baby out with the whole house. How are you going to do that? What did Peter say? Where else are we going to go? You're the only one who has the answers to eternal life. We are all dying. We are all dying. And regardless of the way the world, world will not think about death. I just won't even think about death. Then I'll be okay. And the death comes and you're broken up because you don't even know how to function. So you keep drinking or smoking or trying to cope with the pain in some other way instead of realizing the fact of life that you have to process this as life is. That's called drinking the cup that Christ has given you. Can you drink the cup he's given you? Because if you can drink that cup, then you're saying he's worthy of your faithfulness despite not being able to see where you're going. Next point. Know that we can surrender to his will. There was somebody who was calling your name out. Why did you trust the person you trusted? Why did you trust that voice? And what did harder, the further you got away from the person, the what, the less likely you were to what? To keep, keep walking. And as soon as you were too far away, some of you just did what? Like Haley did this. Because Haley was not trusting you all at all. She was like, I ain't moving nowhere because I'm not going to get hit in the face. I'm not going to fall over. I don't hear anything. I'm stopping. And endurance is the person who keeps going until the end. How do you build your trust in that person? The closer you get to that person, the more you trust. Did you see Jasmine? Katrina? Like they were, she was a, and she had like obstacles. Some of y'all, like Anthony, he just said, I'm going. He trusted somebody really well. He was all the way to the end. He was like, oh, good job. But there was trust there. But some of y'all wouldn't trust anybody. You were just like, I ain't move. I'm going to move slow. Because <laughs> I don't trust none of y'all right now. And y'all ain't going to have me falling over looking silly. It ain't going to happen. We can surrender to his will. You can't see the future. He's in the future. As a matter of fact, this life is just your choice. Why you ended up where you did. God's in eternity right now. Right now, this moment. He's at the beginning of your life. I love saying this. The moment you're born, he's right there that second with you. And the moment you die, he's right there as well because he's not stuck in time. time. We know time's not consistent. We know that. That's scientifically proven. Whoa, that means it's real. Like, but it's real. Time is inconsistent. It's not constant. It's something that was created. Have you ever seen the movie Interstellar? I mean, we know it, right? Because of the movie, right? That's an inside joke. Next point. But by the way, the name of the ship in Interstellar was called the what? Endurance, yes. 
We should hope our complete trust and hope in Jesus because of who he is. We should put our hope, let me see that one more time. We should put our complete trust and hope in Jesus because of who he is, what he has done, and because of what he will do for us. He was a young man who didn't go that far away from his community, didn't have much money, didn't have an army, but because of his life, he has changed the world. He's just a little man, a young man, didn't, wasn't educated. At 30 years old, just started saying he was God's son and started preaching God's word and got crucified exactly as the scripture said he would. And he was resurrected. They couldn't find his body. Why couldn't they find his body? They don't have, they have every other religious leader's body except for his. Why not Jesus? Because he's not there. But he says, I'm coming quickly. Next point. Don't hold anything back. Be like Anthony did. Run. Anthony was trying to, I'm going to see how fast I can get to the other side of the thing. He was gone. Be like Anthony. Because if you're not like Anthony, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. You end up being still at the starting line. I ain't moving. I don't care. It's going to end soon. Pastor's going to call me. He's going to make us clap. Because I'm going to get clapped for anyway. Whether I go or not. Because he's going to say, good job. <laughs> you're not going to make me feel bad. My hope for you today is you realize just because you feel that way doesn't mean you're not walking in faith. Your feelings are deceiving you. Faith is not a feeling. It's a choice. Choose to trust God. This has been a presentation of Endurance Church. For more about the ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash endurancechurch and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash endurancechurch.tv. Remember to live well and finish strong. Say you want my heart. on my head.